The Flames have some even bigger decisions to decide on as Elias Lindholm enters contract negotiations. Your Locked On Flames, your daily podcast on the Calgary Flames. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to today's episode of Locked On Flames. I'm your host, Jess Belmosto, joined by God's favorite, Nick Zararis. Nick, how are you doing? I'm doing so well. I'm still recovering from the weekend. I'm very tired, but great weekend. I'm very excited to be doing this episode today. Got a lot of good stuff for you guys to talk about with Elias Lindholm, so excited to get to it. Yes, it's great to be here and you know kind of talking about actual like tangible things rather than just speculation which we will do plenty of this off season so make sure you're following along and subscribe to lockdown flames wherever you get your podcasts free on youtube throw us a nice little five-star rating and a little review it it's just it's helpful it's nice today we're obviously talking about elias lindholm his career what he brings to really any team and the much bigger picture than just this season with the Calgary Flames. Nick, I let you cook today. So why don't you, you start off? Yeah, you asked me if there was anything I wanted to talk about in particular. And instead of doing what I've been doing the last few weeks, which is slowly losing my mind over the lack of information, I said, we're going to talk about hockey on a hockey podcast, as revolutionary as that might sound. <laughs> we're actually going to talk about people moving a puck around on ice and trying to put it on the, in the net. And there's no bigger question going forward for the Calgary Flames, big picture-wise, than Elias Lindholm. We've read quite a bit of reporting now that originally the, on breakup day, Lindholm it was pretty nonchalant about it, non-committal, not wanting to see where things went. Which good for him, which you should do if you if you have questions about your workplace and you could <laughs> get better opportunities somewhere. By all means, that's what you should be doing. That's a good thing. Now, it's going to be hard to get a read on where he's at until you hire a coach that's still kind of lingering in over this conversation because even if you want him to stay, you got to you got to make him feel like th- there's a plan going forward here because you're talking about the last big deal this guy- player's going to get. We're talking yeah. about someone who's 28 years old. This is going to be his one last big payday. And granted, he's never really had a huge payday to begin with. We're talking about somebody who cleaned four and a half million. And at his what he provided for the over the last couple of years at that number, tremendous value. One of the better contracts in the entire league. So this is lots to discuss, starting with the big picture. No, excuse me, starting with the just hitting the keynotes, understanding what you need to know on a baseline level. Then we'll talk a little bit more numbery things, kind of compare him to other players, where you could see him getting priced in at. And then the big picture, which you keyed in on, is just whatever ends up happening with Lindholm is really going to be a barometer for what happens for the rest of the team. Yeah, absolutely. And I think this contract has been such a blessing for the Flames. Oh, yeah. Like, it has allowed them to be very flexible or not very flexible but more flexible than yes you know if he was making what he should be making yeah. um you know i think about his uh selkie nomination not this past season obviously but the season before and what he's brought to the team and how the flames have been able to develop him because he was still relatively 
young in his career when he was traded here. He was very raw when yeah. he got to the Flames. And it was partly because there was a logjam. You got to remember, you go back and I went and looked as part of my research. He was logjam behind two centers. There were both Stahl brothers were still on the Hurricanes when he was there at, when he first got to Carolina. And you're going to play third center minutes. You're not going to get as much ice time if you get second power play. So I, starting out 14 minutes a game to all situations that first year in the NHL creeps up. He gets to that 16, 17 minute mark, which is where you start getting that two-ish minutes a game of power play time. He doesn't cross into that 19, 20-minute threshold till he gets to Calgary. This is a point I, I really try and make with people a lot, especially when you're trying to evaluate these younger prospects. You need ice time to be able to produce at that star producer level. It's one thing to be a good player efficient in your ice time. You can have great per 60 statistics, but if you're only playing 12, 13 minutes a game, you're never going to really be able to put up gaudy point totals you need to be near that 19 20 minute threshold because that tells me you're getting first power play ice time you're getting the most forward ice time of your guys at five on five and that's really the big leap in the statistical production like you had said his career high in points before getting to the flames was 45 he put up seasons of 82 77 so the flames clearly got him to that next level by giving him more of an opportunity to play giving him more just frankly more opportunity to kind of figure out who he is and was as a player at to a point where he hadn't i mean at that point when they traded for him he's still you know early 20s i mean he's only 28 now and we're not talking about that long ago no no and i think that's been you know a really big thing with just the whole, with him being part of the flames is yeah. how you know like you said how young he was what the flames have been able to develop him into and then of course you have you know he was playing with Gaudreau and Kachuk oh yes this is a point out that there's an interesting point to be made off of this go ahead go ahead at the same time like yes he had a fantastic season um two years ago and that's nothing like you cannot take that away from him you cannot compare last season to that simply because in my opinion because everybody had a down year it's not it's just an outlier there so there's two points to me get off of that number one you saw it he was a 70 point guy this year still good i mean granted considering he's not playing with two guys who were over a point per game on his wings two guys who were over 100 points which kachuk and gaudreau were two years ago to still be in the mid 70s for your points that's a really solid point total for somebody who's not playing with elite talent the best the most common wingers he played with this year were uh Toffoli, was tyler Tofoli, and Tofoli had a great year this year but that speaks to playing with lindholm and this is something that i wanted to touch on because it bears out in the numbers when I was looking on hockey vision we'll talk about this more in the second segment but one of the things that's been interesting about his time in Calgary was when he first got there especially the last two years prior to this one he was shooting a lot more than he had prior to getting to Carolina so that tells me a because he's playing with Kachuk and Gaudreau there's more opportunities for him to shoot because the other team is going to be looking at those guys and it's going to make him more dangerous, in which case it's going to make them, the other players on his line more dangerous because he's become a focal point. And if they're, oh, he's shooting more, we have to be more mindful of this, that's going to open opportunities up for who he's playing with then. 
This past year, you saw him take more of a shoot-first role. The problem, of course, doesn't have as much finishing talent. Somebody who's going to have to facilitate a little bit more, he's not going to shoot as much because when he knows he has to make the play happen to set up a Tyler Toffoli because Toffoli's not the best of skater, he's going to pass up good shooting opportunities to set up a line mate. And that's something that going forward, if you really plan on having Lindholm here for the rest of his prime and his decline, you need to get him another complimentary winger that he can really play off of. Yeah, you have to really bring back some sort of one-two punch there because yeah. – Obviously, you're not making up for Goodrow and Kachuk. Like no. that has been established. We that no, was- those are two of the 25, 30 best players in the entire league. You you right. can't replace that. No, but something just to kind of no disrespect to Tyler Toffoli and captain of Team Canada, gold medalist. But you need to find. You need a compliment for them, too. Like, whoever it is. Like, maybe that's Matt Coronado. Maybe that's Peltier going into next year. I'm not saying you have to go out and get a bona fide established star. (laughs) But you need to go and get them another winger that complements the way they want to play. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that that's, you know, just kind of the surface level of this whole thing. Because, obviously, we're not in those conference rooms or Zoom calls, uh, digging deep into this and finding the truth and who might be the next top line center. But before we do that, we are going to uh, dive into just underlying numbers. Kind of like, I mean, I would call this like an arbitration kind of hearing with numbers and comparables and potential contracts. I don't know. But before we do that, I'm going to tell you about our friends at Athletic Greens, which uh, Tyler Toffoli uses. So uh, our next partner has a product that I use literally every day. I started taking AG1 because I have stomach problems and I would like to keep my brain fresh because there are a lot of things I need to remember when hosting a daily podcast. And Athletic Greens provides that uh, additional supplement that I need to keep everything going and all in one place and just one scoop in a cup of water every day. Athletic Greens was created when the founder was experiencing a ton of gut health issues and ended up on a a complicated supplement regimen of over a hundred dollars a day. That's, that's not cheap. And Athletic Greens is cheap though, because it costs less than $3 a day and you're investing in your health and it's cheaper than your cold brew habit. So All you have to do to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with the convenient daily nutrition is uh, check out athleticgreens.com slash NHL network. It is just one scoop in a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash locked on slash NHL network. Again, that is athleticgreens.com slash NHL network to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. And thank you everyone for hanging out with us today on Locked on Flames. As always, make sure you're subscribed wherever you get your podcasts. We have some super cool new graphics going now. So if you want to watch on YouTube and, uh, Leave some comments there because, you know, everyone has plenty to say about this topic. 
Hey, everybody becomes an expert in whatever they're doing. Like, you know how at the Super Bowl, everybody becomes a commercial executive and thinks they're on Mad Men critiquing the, com- the marketing campaigns that pe- thousands of people put together? Right. It's the same thing with graphic design. Exactly. Yeah. So Elias Lindholm has been a major contributor to the Calgary yeah. Flames. And he is a big part of their success and their continued hopeful success. Yeah, no, he's one of the, he's one of your foundational pieces. The the question you have whenever you're going to do a long-term extension with somebody, and we're going to talk about more this more in the third segment where we'll talk about some people to compare him to. You want to think about A, what the player's ceiling is, B, if they've already reached said ceiling or not. And then the third component of that is where does he, where does that, if that, what, that player's role on your team in comparison to other teams that are having success are. This is the barometer I've always used when it comes to figuring out, okay, I like your group. Like Lindholm is a really good player. I wouldn't say he has any elite traits, which that's a, that's when you're building your roster, that is an issue. If you don't have elite speed, a great shot, vision, defense, whatever, if you don't have at least one elite trait, that's a knock against you that as far as being a core, a foundational piece that mm-hmm. makes you, that makes you more of a supporting role. So if you're going to make Elias home, your most or your second most or your third most expensive player, what are you going to do around him to kind of get more out of him? And we'll talk about that more in the next segment. Yeah. And, you know, I think that that's a really good way to look at it because, you know, this, it's more than just him. Exactly. To look at it is the thing that we've been talking about since the beginning of last season. And that is roster construction. And, you know, I think that Craig Conroy has an interesting first off season ahead of him. And not only with just normal general manager duties, but, you know, he does have to think about the seven UFAs that could potentially, you know, walk next season. And it it's a lot. And he admitted that he learned from the Gaudreau situation and was like, I cannot have that happen again. Exactly. And exactly. This in Elias Lindholm is what he's talking about. Yeah, they they have a lot of key decisions because you're unrestricted free agents. You got a year. If you trade Lindholm, say, at the draft for the third overall pick to like Columbus or whatever, you got that gives that team a full season of Lindholm. And then they have a full season's worth of him there to decide, okay, we more than likely, if you're going to do that type of trade, he would have an agreement for an extension in place already. But say for argument's sake that they, they didn't, that they trade Columbus trades you the third overall pick for Elias Lindholm. He gets a full season there. He can either look for an extension, he can play out the year, and then Columbus has a whole year worth of, okay, we think he's going to fit well here. But that's not really how it works anymore because of what you just said. Teams are very weary of taking on risk like that when they don't have an extension already agreed upon. Like, we think about the Islanders trading for Bo Horvat, who that's a very comparable contract where that extension wasn't agreed upon right away when he got there. And there was a little bit of a risk of, well, if the Islanders fall out of a playoff spot. I mean, Dom from The Athletic tweeted about this. I, I don't really understand this trade for the Islanders, but it'll be fine in a month when they trade him before the deadline. Of course, they gave him an extension, but I understood the point there. Yeah, right. It's really risky to trade for a guy 
without giving him that without having that extension predetermined because if he gets there and he hates it or he has a tough time or doesn't stick why would he want to stay no and you know just like everyone said with Gaudreau why would he want to live in Ohio so that's just another question we are adding to the pile here but I mean I think Ohio is a lovely place for any Ohio listeners but I I do think that you obviously we're going to talk more about this in the next segment but you have to get your money's worth oh yeah yeah, yeah. that's the biggest thing it's yeah the the salary cap being where it is predicates that you Mm -hmm. cannot be willy-nilly throwing your money around when you do not have as much flexibility as some of the other teams around i mean the flames still need five or six guys to fill out the rest of this roster and they have like a million and a half dollars of cap space. So there are, there have to be subsequent moves. There have to be further moves. And that makes your every move you make more complicated because you gave Uyghur and uh, you gave Uyghur, Huberto, Kadri those contracts last year. You don't have flexibility now. You can't go out and add a bottom six winger or a, a backup or an extra defenseman. You have to have internal competition, which Conroy himself said, we want to foster that internal competition. And it's a good thing. You had mentioned this a lot during the course of the regular season was when you have 16 guys already locked into spots on the training camp roster, it's really hard for people to get a real fair shake to make the team. If there's one forward spot and one defenseman spot for everybody to compete for. Now that you're going to have, you know, three or four spots in your lineup up for grabs, that's going to foster better competition. And the added benefit of that is if guys are stinking in season, there are hungry guys who can come up and take those spots. Whereas because you spent this past season with Trevor Lewis, Milan Lucic, et cetera, occupying those bottom of the lineup spots, those guys know they're not coming out. They know they're not coming out of the lineup no matter what. They know they have a little bit more room for error. You know, like how when a parent has their favorite child, they can get away with more. It's that kind of thing. There's less consequences for them, and they're able to kind of get away with more than they should. So that's the other added benefit of this. But circling back around, Lindholm is a really interesting player because you still, even at 28, you don't really know what the ceiling is by himself because the best season of his career he had with two bona fide elite players. So I don't know if that's telling me if you give this guy good complimentary pieces, he can elevate his game and make them better too. Or if that says he's more of a passenger where if you give him good talent, he's going to be able to get good results, but he individually, because he doesn't have any of those elite traits, he's not going to be able to make other players better better that's really the the conundrum that's the conundrum a lot of teams have and we're going to talk about it coming up next just because somebody is really good doesn't necessarily mean the most valuable thing he can be for you for your team is on your team which is the which seems oxymoronic in a sense that somebody who's good at hockey could be more valuable playing for another team but when you're you have to think about the construction of the entire roster yeah. in regards to that otherwise you're going to miss you're going to make mistakes because you you can be talented but you might not fit which we see happen all the time in the NHL all the time it happens you know any team can speak to this it's happened you know across the board and i think again you have to look at what the player wants, obviously, and what other teams are 
calling exactly. about him and what what they're offering because what you'd be a fool not to take these calls and we're going to talk more about that next because there there is a very big picture that Craig Conroy and the rest of the Calgary Flames front office have to look at coming up next and thank you everyone for hanging out with us on Locked on Flames. It is a pleasure being here with you and make sure that you're subscribed, following us on Twitter. You know, we're just we're just online. So come hang out with us. I got into a conversation with people over the weekend about this on Twitter. Listen, I will be the first person to admit that I know Jack about the draft other than Connor Bedard, okay? Well, there's Adam Fantilli, too. There's Michikov. There's a handful of really good prospects in this draft. This is a better draft than most years. That yeah. that that much we can all, even us, lean into. Like like you said, I minimal attention to the draft because neither of the teams I have to do any work for are in the lottery. If you're not in the lottery, you don't know who's going to be at, around in your, your range where you're picking. The Flames are in the teens. They're going to get a good player if they choose to keep that pick. They are. You're going to get a better than usual 13th, 14th overall pick in this year's draft as opposed to what you would get in most years. But continue. Yeah. I'm sorry. No, that's okay. And, you know, I'm just – I'm not familiar with that. That's not my expertise. I just – I – can't do that that's just not my cup of tea whatever but I think the Flames do need to look at the situation with I mean an open mind if he expresses to you that he does not want to stay and sign an extension you get him on the first okay maybe not the first plane out but that first attractive deal that comes along sticks in your mind a little bit and you work with it because at the end of the day, you have to do what's best for your team. We know that this is just a business. Players are pawns. It, it's just. It's it stocks. Yeah. It's hard to look at it like that because, you know, they're real people too. And that's part of the balance too, because you have to be mindful of how you treat players before you get a certain reputation about your organization. Of course, everybody did this last year when Vegas missed the playoffs where everybody goes, well, yeah, they don't have any loyalty. The players are all nervous that they're going to get traded. And they made the Stanley Cup final the next year. So everybody was very premature in writing off the be as aggressive as you can and making your roster better. But, yeah, I completely agree with you. It's a delicate balance, and it's why you have it's why it's important for both sides to be honest with each other. I think as long as that's what happens, you can have an amicable divorce when it comes yeah. to these types of situations that's why a lot of islander fans are still upset at john tavares is he said he would stay and he would be open to staying and he very quickly moved on and left for toronto whereas if he said i don't know if i want to be back or not i think there would have been a little bit more of an acceptance of his ultimate decision but the big picture the most important thing this is their best forward this is arguably their best overall player whatever ends up Thank you. Whatever ends up happening with him is your bellwether for what the next few years of the organization are going to look like. So let's say, for example, that they, they trade with Columbus or they trade with Carolina or Boston, who both had called in season about Lindholm. Okay. That tells you we're taking a step back no matter what. Whenever you trade one of your best players, unless you're getting a roster player back in return, which Flames can't do because money reasons, that tells you that you have to be taking a step back the following season. 
that opens the door to subsequent UFA trades of Noah Hannafin or those are the big, when you think about it in that respect, that's really what this means to me, at least from a informed decision person. Like if you're trading your unrestricted free agents a year ahead of that, not even at the deadline of this upcoming season, that tells you you're taking a step back for at least one, if not two seasons. Do you want to take a step back? That's that's the real question because the Flames don't do that. The Flames do not do long-term planning. They are one of the teams that operates in that middle where they want to make the playoffs and then whatever happens, happens. This year in particular, based on how the playoffs have gone, is the ultimate argument for that where you will have the people who say, just get in. It doesn't matter what happens once you get there, just get in and anything can happen. That's all. That's also how you end up becoming the Winnipeg Jets, the Washington Capitals since they won the Stanley Cup, the Pittsburgh Penguins since they won the Stanley Cup, the Bruins of the last couple of iterations where you're a good team. You have good regular seasons, but when you get to the playoffs, you hit that you wall. old, decrepit. And you don't have... And you're beholden to your guy staving off the aging process. Not everybody ages as gracefully as Patrice Bergeron. Not a lot of people play at that high of a level into their mid or late 30s. That is an extreme outlier. Whenever you're saying, well, look how it worked for these people. It's like the 30, it's like the community meme. Well, did it work out for those people? No, (laughs) it never does. So what's different about us? Nothing. That's the real conundrum of this all. And it's why it requires bold and honest thinking and that requires a lot because you have to get your owner on board with that too which is something we've talked a lot about on the show here for the last couple months is the flames are probably a decent team if they have a normal year this year where they don't have the worst string of luck imaginable they make the playoffs maybe they win around if they play la if they play seattle maybe they could be a young team if they played a t- if they played if they had the right matchup, I think it's safe to say they could have won one round. I don't think beyond one round was feasible with the group they had this year. Absolutely. Based on how it went. Now, granted, you could say, well, if they didn't have such bad luck, maybe guys would have had better seasons. Okay, fair enough, fair enough. I understand that argument. But based on the way this roster is constructed right now and the weaknesses and the strengths. I wouldn't feel good saying I think they could have won multiple playoff rounds, gone on a deep run this year. I just don't think that would have been in the cards. So that forces you. Do we just want to get in or do we want to really go and try and win a Stanley Cup? And those are conflicting factors because if you want to take that step back and really try and reorganize your roster and set up for a a multi-year window, that means getting worse right away. That means making your team intentionally worse right away. And that's a tough sell for a lot of people. I don't think a first-time GM is going to come in and do that, in all honesty. I think Conroy took this job with an understanding, get us back to the playoffs next year. We'll figure it out with the UFAs as we go. And if we can be aggressive, if the salary cap goes up more for whatever, based on playing off escrow, great. But if not, the bare minimum is to make the playoffs. And I don't think that's an unreasonable expectation based on what resources they've committed. But that's also defeated, self-defeating your goal of winning the Stanley Cup. So it's a real conundrum. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, everything with this team is just the expectation. I feel like we have to manage those expectations because, 
you know, last year, going into last or last season, everyone was like, this is their year again. They finally like established themselves as a playoff team. They can, you know, they're riding high with Daryl Sutter. Their goaltending's fantastic. Yeah, we lost Gaudreau. You know, everything just kind of felt a little different. But now, oh, we don't know. We don't know who's coming, who's going, and what what goaltending is going to look like. And that, that's another huge conversation. And, you know, Conroy said he wants all of his goalies to play. Whoever is on the team, and on the bench, whatever, he wants them to play. And it, it doesn't make sense if they're not. So, bye, whoever. It's quite the predicament the Flames have found themselves in. I cannot wait to see how this summer goes because I think realistically, based on who the coach is and if you get any extensions done this summer, that's going to tell you how everything's going to play out. Conroy yeah. says he doesn't want to let Lindholm walk for nothing. If they're having a good season, he's not going to trade him at the deadline yeah. if there's no agreement in place before the deadline. That's the conundrum, and that's why it's hard to take people at their word because you don't know how the next season is about to play out. Words aren't legally binding unless exactly paper. unless it is on paper, signed, notarized. It, it's nothing. It's exactly. just you. It's what is what do they call it? The honesty policy or something? Yeah, like you just have to trust this person. And can you trust anyone? Because I'm sorry if someone's coming knocking on my door asking or saying, "Oh, I'll give you more money." Bye. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Not as cold. Yeah. No offense, but... It's a challenge. It's a real challenge. And based on how this summer goes, you're going to get a real quick indicator of how the next couple of years of the Flames hockey organization... How the Flames organization is going to play out. And that, that's going to be an interesting summer, to say the least. You know, um, the Flames are never not giving us something to talk about. Now that we have a general manager, <laughs> there's actual yeah. things, but... Thank you, everyone, for hanging out with us today as we discuss Elias Lindholm's, the predicament surrounding Elias Lindholm. But make sure you're subscribed to Locked on Flames wherever you get your podcasts on YouTube. Leave us a review, a five-star rating. We love to hear from you. Uh, be nice. And make sure you're following us on Twitter at Jess Belmosto and at Nick Zararis. Um, Any final words? Nah, I'm good. I've said enough this week. I'm tired. <laughs> I'm so tired. That's fair. And yeah. the off season has just started. Yep.